right, welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. A little bit back to normal this week. Uh, once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I've got both Caroline and Paul with me on this episode. Caroline, how are you doing this fine holiday week? Hey, I'm good. I'm like actually like ready for Christmas. I've got everything right. wrapped and ready, and I'm not stressing about stuff like. I still have some packages that are in transit for me because that's how I roll. Yeah. Um, So those I'm a little worried about. (laughs) One has been in transit since November 30th. Yeah. Yeah. December 3rd is the the one I'm waiting on. (laughs) Thanks, USPS. Uh, (laughs) Paul, how are you doing this fine, festive holiday week? I'm great. I got two cases of wine delivered today, so I'm ready to roll. Only like only one of the cases is staying with us. The rest are for friends and family, but... A case of wine is a, still a, a solid haul from. Yeah, uh, the, the I don't know what we're going to do in January, but you know. <laughs> we are recording this right after uh, the Virginia basketball team's big win over uh, in-state rivals William and Mary uh, after their long layoff. So plenty of basketball tidbits uh, and and you know points to see after this. Uh, long uh, covid break for the team seems like hopefully everybody's healthy and and some interesting takeaways but also plenty of football news we haven't been back since uh you know the 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 devastating terrible rivalry loss in the commonwealth cup but also uh, some recruits to talk about and some returning newly eligible or taking advantage of this new eligibility fourth and fifth years to discuss so we'll be running through all of that do you guys want to start with football so can i get that out of the way because i don't want to talk about the blowout in blacksburg uh, very much (laughs) but we should uh, dig in a little basically to me it sort of carried the theme of uh, the offense and armstrong we're gonna have to play out of their minds like they did against UNC uh, to win a game because Tech showed up. Uh, You know, that's probably the biggest takeaway was they did not face a bad Hokies team like uh, those games uh, that Virginia Tech has had this year. And uh, Tech showed up and the the Who's offense tried to hang in there. A couple mistakes, obviously, but really the defense couldn't stop virginia tech from doing what they wanted to do and it comes up for me like thinking back on it it just comes down to like two plays for me like no well no and like (laughs) but when you look at it like the two big touchdown runs put that game out of reach and that was it like yeah i think the the defense the defense definitely did enough in the second half and that's where it's saying like this is where i think the defense did enough in the game to let put virginia a chance to potentially win obviously those two big touchdown runs and like, like like Herbert, Herbert had one big touchdown run. They had one big touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. The offense had scored enough in previous games to overcome that. There were times where, you know, they just didn't take advantage or made mistakes or the, the mm-hmm. back, you know, like we've talked about before, like, no, there's no real good time for an interception unless you're talking about <laughs> an arm punt before the end of the half type thing. Right. Like then it's like, okay, whatever. But this was just the recur, the showing up again of the yeah. brutally timed, bad interception that ruined momentum like they were getting things going like there were all these opportunities on stuff so like it sucked it stinks to lose them I, it sucks like whatever it's, it sucks and I it think- stinks and uh <laughs> I'm trying to keep it as family friendly as I can, but. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, it was it was this there was this weird swing like the offense came out of the gates hot and I think mm-hmm. I think I, if I'm, I'm getting the stats right started the game three for three on third down and then went oh for their next four and it was it created this huge huge momentum swing mm-hmm. that you've got all of a sudden Virginia can't keep the offense on the field and tech is scoring on these big big explosive plays so you get you get this combination of it's not like the defense was getting worn out because they were giving up 60 and 70 yard plays at a pop, mm-hmm. but it was paired with the offense wasn't responding. Um, mm-hmm. And, and as a result, it felt, even though it was, you know, it was, it was a big lead at halftime, but it wasn't insurmountable, but it felt twice as big, at least for, at least from my couch, it felt mm-hmm. like twice as big a lead as tech actually had because of that, because it felt like the offense just hadn't done anything for like a quarter and a half while tech yeah. was just consistently piling it on. Yeah. And, that, and that's, it wasn't, ins- yeah, it's just, it wasn't insurmountable because they almost made a comeback. <laughs> like there was right. some with the ball down what eight, like after they had scored, like, and so, yeah, I definitely felt the same way. Like, well, this is about down as, 12. Yeah. yeah. It was about as terrible as you could imagine. Yeah. Going into halftime. Like, it just, it was, it was like literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in the first half. It looked and like that, when they, yeah. they, they scored that second touchdown to get to 15, it looked like they could make a run, you know, to get back in the game. And then right. they, they, they probably did not. Um, it, you know, I think the, like, tech was favored for a reason and tech showed up and it's not that UVA didn't show up. Um, but it is a bummer that outside of last year, like tech always looks like the more hyped team in the Commonwealth cup games. And that doesn't mean that UVA wasn't hyped or, or wasn't prepared or, you know, wasn't trying maybe a few tackle efforts here and there might suggest that. <laughs> some of that but uh tech looked you know 10 out of 10 hype for this this rivalry game not to in be a season where they didn't have much of a reason to be hyped like yeah. this is a team that that was dealing with you know all kinds of locker room issues and players leaving and a coach that seemed to be a lame duck coach obviously shortly thereafter we we heard the news that their coach is coming back but still like uh, UVA had all the emotional momentum to sort of carry into this and, and tech didn't let it happen. They, they defended their home territory as, as well as you could ask for. Um, I hate to like, not to be the typical, like losing side of things where it's like, Oh, we're their Super Bowl, But like, it's this just, should it's, have been UVA Super Bowl too. But there's also the right. thing like, sure okay here's we've talked about this before like i would not rather go one and 11 and only beat tech you know what i mean like and i'm not saying that's all tech wants but let's if we're looking at and i'm not there i'm not in their fan base i don't know like whatever that not having the commonwealth cup to them last year i think was like especially with the way that they've been playing lately yeah may and again i'm not defending like it should be a it and it is a big deal to our like to virginia's players like i'm not saying it's not obviously just trying to understand that like mentality around i don't know i don't even know what i'm saying at this point i really don't but it's just kind of like it's such a weird like (laughs) we always joke when like virginia won it last year like now what do they have sure yeah and that's kind of like 
that doesn't feel like it's ever the case for Virginia. I guess is how I feel about it personally. It's right. like losing that game sucks, but it's not like there are things like now, especially under Brown, where I think they're had, going the right way. There our have been fan other bases had to learn to find other things in a season. Like with the fan that's base which been for fifteen years. True. Like those are okay. Two well, we didn't things. beat Peck, but at least we beat Carolina and Florida State. Like whatever you know, it's or we went to right. a bowl game and shut out South Carolina. Like you know, uh, or maybe it's different for me because like now. I do think that this program is clearly with evidence going the right way under Bronco. And maybe that's why, like, I didn't realize it had been that long since Virginia won in Blacksburg. Like, in that's a game they, they had to come back from. Yeah, know, down 27 close. or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost, so, right. yeah. So, I, it, like, it all just stinks. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just making excuses. Like, I don't know. Just, I, I also had a really hard time getting too stuck on it for too long because I was like, of all the things that we've gone through this year, this doesn't even make like the top 15 sure. for me personally. I'm not saying like for the world, obviously it's not even a blip on the radar, but I just was kind of like the defense was held together by not even duct tape. Like we're talking like right. Christmas wrapping paper tape. Yeah. Like, um, and that obviously showed. Uh, I wrap then... my Christmas <laughs> gifts with duct tape. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> but it's just frustrating. I just, I'm trying not to let it like, fester because there's nothing to do like you know whatever we'll i agree that it's year. not like a condemnation of, of yeah coach mendenhall or the staff or you know yeah but i my, my whole point it's fr- it's just frustrating to yeah, see that your rival team clearly if not cares more at least acts like they care more now does that sort of coincide if virginia had won these games over the years then maybe they you know to me it wouldn't look any different but I, it just seemed like another reversion back to same old, same old. And I guess that at the end of the day, yeah, you could point to the, the depth chart on defense and, and how paper thin it was. And that's going to be hard to beat good teams when they show up, you know, for the rivalry game. But you hope what it isn't is an indication that Bryce Perkins really did uplift you know, to a superhuman degree, uh, an average team to a good team last year. You hope at this po- point in time with this many recruiting classes coming in that, that the coaching staff has a good team going on and isn't just an average team now that Bryce is there. And I, I saw we somebody... We won't know till next year. Right. Well, that's exactly the point I was, I was right. about to make it. And, and I, I apologize that I'm not giving attribution to whoever I saw make this point first. Caroline, it actually may have been you. Probably. Um, well, it depends. That, what was it? <laughs> was it brilliant it's and all, amazing? It's, it's, it's that all mine. the players suck and don't ever get any effort. <laughs> Definitely not me. Definitely um, not me. <laughs> uh, no, I said that the program has improved most dramatically in the second year of each quarterback it's had. That it's that we it, it there was sort of sense. it had to come up from you know just the the bankert year one to year two then then there was growth from year two of bankert to year three of perkins or to year one of perkins but that to me is is more indicative of programmatic growth over that mm-hmm. period that glossed over the the deficit that might've come from change in quarterback. And now the marginal change in programmatic strength 
is less so that we see that, yeah, this is what happens when you replace a two-year starter with a guy that's starting his first year is mm. you expect a little bit of a step back, just like yeah. all of the experts said at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So <laughs> next year is important as a measure of programmatic growth of whether the team takes a similar step forward in the second year with Brennan Armstrong as the presumed starter. Yeah. Throw in all of that, the depth we're getting back on the defensive, on the offensive line and some of those defensive backs that are coming back. Um, and it starts to be, you start to see the roadmap to how next year is more, more in line with a eight, nine win season, even with a really difficult out of conference schedule. True. True. That, that, that may be with the quarterbacking, you know, the, the concerning step back this year wasn't the quarterback play. Like Brennan obviously had some downs and he had some great ups too. And I think we'd all say we were relatively pleased. And if you can, you know, hone in some of the mistakes and stuff, then, then you're really working with a great potential for, for, for greatness on the offense, you know, with the, with, like you said, depth at the offensive line, but talent at the wide receiver. I think we like Brennan Armstrong the way he is. Uh, my whole rambling point here is that the defense took a clear step back this year and not just statistically and not just, you know, with the, the passing of a few guys that you miss uh, guys that we count on and rely on, I thought took steps back this year on the defense, uh, you know, obviously missing Snowden for injury is huge. Um, love Matt Gam, and I think he's the exception to my point that people took a step back. I thought he filled Nick in. Jackson. Nick Sorry. Jackson did great, of course, but <laughs> I know I mean I don't I don't mean to to pick on a specific couple guys. I would go with everybody else returning besides those two. I uh, I thought took a step back, and even Snowden, you know, for the first third of this year, the coaches were saying, "Hey, Production we need more from yeah. him." Yeah, um, I, I think, and that's in that vein, like absolutely, I think a lot of that. And again, this is even worse than when you said you don't want to single people out. Like this sounds even worse. But some of the issues that may, were clear in the secondary, I think, exacerbated the issue, like made things look worse in some of the other positional spots because mm -hmm. of like. The linebackers, if they're not landing on some of those blitzes, like they're not getting stats for any of those tackles, any of those blitzes, any of that stuff, and the secondary is getting taken apart. So the whole thing right. just looks worse overall. Yeah. I think, but at the same time, like you're right, like, and this is where I am willing to make excuses for COVID, like COVID excuses because sure. of whether it's preparation or is Snowden said early that he was more impacted than he thought he would be when it comes to the crowd experience like those first few games that he was yeah. like i'm willing to say like and i mean that that is if you want to say that's an excuse if you want to say that's whatever like the issues with like you're right the production was down this is where i'm like well i'll give a little bit of so I, i'm curious to see what that defense does look like i'm most concerned about the line uh i'm glad yeah. a couple of those guys returning decided to say like hey i'm coming back in the deep like that's huge and i know oh it's probably the most important too. part is, is yeah Alonso and um yeah apologize for forgetting his name the jmu transfer who played pretty well is that team at 12 um, um yeah and i like depth, yeah. the transfer from louisville the cornerback I re i'm really excited about that i think that's a great i think that's a great ad i've had multiple people from louisville who follow that team that have told me that that's Say a great good. addition right. that says, you know this hey, that's a great grab by virginia he's a great addition so is it going to be like we're adding bryce hall out there probably not but 
in a spot where they definitely needed help last year let's take it <laughs> like oh, i'm in sure. <laughs> so <laughs> well, i mean it's like that same joke it's like virginia has their entire secondary returning next year it's like well <laughs> that sucks because you know i think next year will be really important to see the, the growth of the team and you're right that there's a lot of uh give and take from the covid land we all live in that, that it's hard to sparse out uh exactly what to take away as 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 you know what can be forgiven and what what might actually be a real problem down the road so it'll be interesting to see and and i you know i think that's going to be the preseason chatter is can virginia be a eight nine win team again uh and if not then you might be looking at well now that it's year six uh, what do they need to adjust with these coaches? I don't mean personnel necessarily. I mean, in the actual coaching or planning or game planning or roster bill that, that we see there. So hopefully people are healthy. Hopefully it's a normal year <laughs> by next football season. And we have like a stacked up chart with, you know, people who can play on the D line if the starter gets hurt and, and things like that. It'll a lot to to be determined um some of that of course will be answered by incoming recruits so paul do you want to maybe point out just a couple uh whether it be specific dudes or specific uh you know things you see uh in in this recruiting class coming in that that are going to be important um maybe maybe soon or maybe down the road whatever you want to take this uh for some notes on the recruiting class that uba just almost totally signed it was the early signing yep. deadline for for next year has has gone yeah but they've, they've signed a big class they've signed yeah. 24 uh, of whom six will be early enrollees so that the those six will count against previous classes so there's still there's still a couple of spots left um for for late signing period and for transfers like uh the the cornerback from louisville um yeah, we're talking about about defensive line depth and and getting Mandy Alonzo and, and Adib back are going to be big parts of that next year. But also mm-hmm. the headliner of this year's recruiting class is defensive lineman Bryce Carter uh, from the, the Chesterfield area. He played at, at Thomas Dale um, for the first few years of high school before transferring to Life Christian so we could get a season in this year uh, or this fall rather as, as the VHSL put fall football on, on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a kid that's it's second highest rated recruit in terms of 24 seven composite of the Mendenhall era. Uh, just, just a tick behind uh, the now departed Jawan Briggs. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's not indicative of, of Carter's future plans, but it's six, three, two fifty. So he's got, um, you know, more of that kind of outside defensive end than, than nose tackle type type gotcha. build, you know, mm-hmm. probably put on another 25, 30 pounds or so, uh, with a nice big long frame, athletic, strong freak. Um, so yeah, he's <laughs> consensus four star, one of the top players in Virginia, um, in in whichever class he was in. That he was a, a 2021 uh, kid, then a 2022, and now back to 2021. Um, you know, he's already turned 18, so he's he's got, um, you know, and, and I I um, he's going to be a big part of, of this class and, and, and one of the people that could be an early contributor in part, cause he's coming into an area that, that, uh, needs the depth infusion, um, behind him, the, the other folks that I, I think are real, real headline grabbers, um, the other four star by most of the services, Logan Taylor, mm-hmm. um, an offensive lineman who played at Episcopal in Alexandria, kids, six, seven, two ninety five hails from Nova Scotia and 
hands down, put it, putting aside my general feelings about offensive line, if you were just going by the Bronco quotes from the press conference about who's <laughs> the best player in the class, like the, yeah. the, the best quotes, it's Logan Taylor. Because yeah. Logan is from Nova Scotia. And as Bronco explained it, this kid works one job where he is throwing crab pots and lobster pots from a boat onto a dock or vice versa. <laughs> then his other job is going and throwing tires at a repair shop. And he's like a, he's a, a academic standout in the classroom at Episcopal. So oh my this God, is a, this is a, you know, like, you know, he's my new favorite player. This is now, a right? tall, <laughs> absolutely. This, this kid is, is six, seven, almost 300 pounds. And his entire thing is throwing heavy things, heavy things from one place to another. So now he People gets to are go heavy from, things. Right? Exactly. This is what uh. I'm saying. Defensive line, go from crab pots to defensive tackles. Um, <laughs> So I, that's that's the guy that, and he's going to enroll early as well. So he's going to have a chance to to get into the strength and conditioning program. I think he's he's going to have a chance to crack the O line rotation, even with Nelson and Glazer coming back next year. Um, Taylor's a kid that's going to going to push for a starting position from day one, uh, and even if he's not starting, he'll make for a good a good rotation player, whether it's special you know jumbo packages or somebody goes down, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the 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 quarterback growth continues for uh, Virginia. Jacob Rodriguez, uh, a real dual threat kid. Um, Bronco described him as as somewhere between Brennan Armstrong and Taysom Hill, um, which tells you this is a physical, physical, physical kid. Um, mm-hmm. He's about about six two two ten, so he's kind of built like a linebacker um coming out of texas stocky yeah definitely on his film exactly (laughs) um in a good and he's not again not not afraid of contact he's gonna you know put a shoulder down and and go through somebody if he can't get around him so he's also going to be one of the early enrollers um it this is the largest class of early enrolling recruits um that they've ever had almost certainly a result of, of some COVID stuff that kids are, you know, there's not, there's not prom to wait for. There's not, you know, if you're, if you're taking class from, from home anyways, might as well do it in college. Um, So uh, it's, it is the highest rated class that uh, the the Mendenhall coaching staff has brought in, uh, ended just inside the top 30 uh, nationally Mm -hmm. um, and in the top half of the ACC. So it's, you know, we're, as we, we, we've talked about programmatic growth, this is, this is one of those things. Um, the other major step, and this maybe will go to the theme we were talking about with the, the tech rivalry. This is, this class has nine kids from the state of Virginia. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. now that, in, that includes Logan Taylor who played at Episcopal, but is from Canada, mm-hmm. but still there are, there are nine in-state commitments in this class, which is the most that UVA has gotten under Mendenhall by a lot um and is is representative of the the relationships that the coaches are are building at these schools and uh and starting to get with these players so yeah that's 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 the not 30 second view but the uh the the sort of view on on where recruiting has shaken out this year and and where it's going to be the most likely immediate additions for next year Sounds good. I mean, you know, I think the it, it's fair to say that the Virginia classes have been maybe not as deep in these uh, more, sure. you know, other than this year, the the previous years. So if you're not convincing, you know, the three, four, five top dudes to come to UVA, they weren't they're not going to tech, it seems either. 
there weren't a lot of guys that Bronco was maybe willing to reach for might be a way to, to say it and say, and uh, Bronco seems to recruit a lot like Tony Bennett does, right? Like you need to fit the system both physically and style wise, but also as a person, um, not, I'm not trying to say that there were any like top kids in the Commonwealth that, that weren't good kids or, or wouldn't good, be good fits, but it's sort of, it's a good time for Bronco to, be able to say, look, we have this evidence um, that, you know, we're growing a program here and, and you can be successful here and make it to the next level. Now the class uh, of Virginians uh, shapes up better for the Who's this cycle. So a lot going on uh, that they really build to that UVA bringing in more Virginians number. But I think, uh, you know, speak for all of us, we, we, we like to see it. It's yeah. an important thing. And the, the, the fingers crossed in all this is that all of this payoff comes in 2022 with a young man named Zach Rice, who is the, num- <laughs> the number one offensive yeah. lineman in the country in the class of 2022, um, plays at Liberty Christian, uh, and his grandfather played for UVA. So there, mm-hmm. is, there is family connection there, um, and he has been fairly public about, about the connection he's built with the UVA coaches. And, and mm-hmm. so U- UVA is – in the hunt for him in a way that you know a a program of virginia's recent track record really it's still a stretch to be in for you know a five-star a consensus five-star kid number Mm -hmm. one in his position in the country um he is he is the hope to be the cornerstone of the class of 2022 and if if virginia was able to land him early um use him as a recruiter and a centerpiece to help bring in other kids from that that sort of five-star circuit that blue chip camp circuit and everything you know there's a little legacy quarterback down there uh, in new orleans uh, with a famous last name uh and you know you say hey i I know you might only be listing us because uh you know family connection but we also have the best O-linemen in the country coming. So wouldn't you like to play quarterback behind that? Indeed. Uh, you know, it's not an unfair argument to put out there. So cool. Well, thank you, Paul, uh, for that update. I, I think, you know, we got to get to this basketball team uh, because they get their winners. They're back in the winning column. They're alternating uh Good game, bad game. <laughs> you doesn't know, not, bode well. Not does not bode well losses. for Saturday. Yeah, yeah, Gonzaga coming up with the bad even game um, of, of the season. But thank God they got Gonzaga scheduled. I mean, sort of, you know, none of us saw it coming until it was announced. They're playing in Texas. Uh, I, I don't know why. Maybe either of you know why, uh, how, how that comes about. But regardless, what a bummer to have COVID take away the, the Villanova um, matchup for the who's and and the michigan state matchup because especially since what what stinks is like so obviously they found out that it was the night before the hauser bowl right the, right, right um that they wouldn't be able to play michigan state because of covid issue so coach bennett said in today's post game after the william and mary win that basically and then Villanova game were canceled basically almost on admin if you will like they were under the impression under the impression that they'd have a seven day quarantine window Mm. um but the schools is 10 so that literally was the difference so they weren't able to even start practice until the 19th so obviously you're not going to go from so they did not practice for 10 days and then practice for three before playing William and Mary Mm. um and then obviously we'll practice this week I don't 
they didn't tell us what their plan was around Christmas, but they will practice and then travel to Fort Worth, not Dallas, my fault, Dallas, Fort Worth people. That's on me. Um, but it's all the same. <laughs> I know. My response is like, it's the same place. Texas. That, who, that didn't go so it's traffic away. and humidity. Like what's the <laughs> humidity? <laughs> oh man. I, I, you know, wherever they're playing the game, I'm thankful that we'll get to watch it um, because this is a big opportunity for this team to play. Um, uh, one of the premier teams it looks like you know you could give it to Baylor, but uh, Gonzaga nah, looks like the Gonzaga. best team in in the in the country right now. So hopefully they hang in there. Maybe they pull out a win if they shoot uh, well. Obviously this team plays defense strongly. I wouldn't say it's the best defensive team we've seen in in recent years, um, but they're giving and taking. Just like last year's team, we've been all through this. Last year's team, strong defensively, sacrificed maybe a little bit in scoring. This year's team's clearly sacrificing some defensively for for the talent that it has on offense. So they're going to have to score enough to keep up the shots. You know what? The shots they're going to have to go in to, to win the game. Um, I have to make. You're going to have to make shots. Gonna to have win. to make them. To- My biggest question around that is, what is Gonzaga's Gonzaga's shooting going to be like? Um, because going into Saturday's game against Iowa, Gonzaga was shooting like 29% from three. And so when mm-hmm. I looked it up, I was looking at some stuff and I was like, oh, that's way lower than I thought. Then comes the, in the Iowa game where in the first half, they went like 10 for 16. Yeah. Yeah. So they made, they'd only made 16 threes through the first three games. They made 10 in the first half. So Jalen Suggs, I think was five for six or something from three in the first half. If Gonzaga does that, Virginia will lose by like 20. Right. Like, I'm not sure. trying to be dramatic. Like, yeah, I, it's like, I'm any not trying to be negative. Team would, like, any but, team, yeah. would, that's the thing. But what, what Gonzaga doesn't do well is play defense. And that's, well, that's, go. that's the big thing, right? This is one of those games that CBS will constantly talk about. It's the battle of style. It's mm-hmm. the battle of slow versus fast and offense versus defense. And that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Genuine, genuine, <laughs> generally, mm-hmm. there we go. And Words. genuinely. Yeah, genuinely, um, Virginia succeeds in slowing people down. Even in games that they've lost, they've still usually slowed them down. They usually win this battle of the conflicting styles. Right. So then you're absolutely right. The question is, can Virginia make enough shots to to win? Can they slow down Gonzaga enough? Mm -hmm. Can they make – it's literally going to be, can people make shots? So um, let me ask both of you guys, what did you see against a, a you know, let's be frank, a bad William and Mary team uh, today that, that could be encouraging because there's more than just beating a team by, you know, 20, whatever it's, it's seeing some of the restart, you know, coming yeah. out of this COVID break in some of these guys. And, and I guess I'm sort of uh, leading the, that you, you to an answer here, but the, <laughs> the, the, the we also got some bro- some news breaking over the air about why Kihei wasn't yeah. uh, starting yeah. in a couple that games, was, which is I think news to all of us. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of that. Uh, I'm sure there was probably someone that was like, well, didn't want them to tell that. But uh, <laughs> for anyone that didn't get to hear or watch the game, they said Kihei was late to a couple academic advisor meetings and that's why he did not start the it's game. Naughty. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and I think where, what I saw today that I liked was the passing was so much better um, and I thought shot selection was better. I'm still concerned about giving up offensive rebounds. 
Um, mm -hmm. And we joked a little bit before we started recording where there were a couple where either the shot was so bad that it went, you know, like you're, you were yeah. in the right spot, but here we are. Uh, but there were also a couple where like the effort I thought, and I always joke, everyone makes fun about them saying like, you can't really gauge effort. Like there were a couple where two Virginia guys ran into each other trying to get a rebound, which led to it ricocheting out to a William and Mary player, but they gave up 14. Um, they only yeah. got 13. So <laughs> I'm looking at that box score and it's it, three plus three plus one is seven plus four from white on the bench is 11 and everyone else has zero. So there's probably two team offensive rebounds. So rebounded out of bounds or a tip out or however and they no, decide no to score No one gets it. credit for that. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. I um, thought, you know, my, my math was off. <laughs> I haven't had to add things in a long yeah. time. Don't worry, that I'm makes sense. in accounting now. I know how to <laughs> yeah, add. Right. <laughs> well, that and also keeping uh, the, the kid from William & Mary that was averaging 18 points a game, uh, I think that was low. low yeah, low, 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 low. From uh, Pont du Lac in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, anyway, he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they held up to five points today. Yeah. Um, so that was huge. But yeah, crashing the boards. I, I agree with you. It did seem to me uh, there was a lot of like two UVA guys in the right place crashing together and just a bad yeah. bounce or, or whatnot and lead into a lot of William. A lot, some loose hands at times where I'm like, it's mm -hmm. easy to, it's so funny to me to sit on the sofa and like be eating pretzels and be like, just grab the ball. Like one of those things, but <laughs> well, there were a few know, of those today too. <laughs> I don't think I could do anything. Any of the people out there in any of these sports we watch and talk <laughs> about are doing. So there I'm were a couple rebounds that Caden Shedrick got that I was like, that should be worth four. I guess I could shoot a free throw. Uh, you know, nope. Right right? Yeah, no, I <laughs> don't got that. I've tried. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure we'll come up with something uh, that, that we can all relate to. I can foul. I guarantee <laughs> you, I can foul. I That's just an Paul, effort play. Well, you could set a pick. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, you know, that's an old lineman joke, I guess there. Anyway, um, I think there's my a couple other questions and where this is where this weird season has been such a big impact is like this team just hasn't had a chance to gel. Do you remember a couple of years ago, there was a team that had so many good players and we were kind of did all the discussions about lineups mm. and when they pared things down, like who's going to get minutes and, you know, a lot of fans were like, Tony needs to just stick with a lineup because he's not letting anyone play together and assume yeah. all that stuff. I feel like we're there there's so many really good players on this team um and this is like first world problem stuff where it's like when you know we'll just ten size in yeah i thought his defense has gotten so much better he's a good passer yeah, he's active, yeah, his agree. hands are yeah. active so he's in there and he can shoot he's you know he went one for four today but i thought his shots looked really good yeah. he's doing well creating like those those you know dribble steps and then shooting like that stuff was really good if he's in then you don't have casey you know, if Casey's in, then you don't have Trey. Like, there's mm -hmm. all these like give and takes, and I understand that's how basketball. I understand that's how this works. But when you're looking at who's on the like, I I just love Reese Beekman. Oh my yeah. gosh, he's gonna have to play big. Oh my, next, and, and against Gonzaga, hundred like, percent. If, if Virginia's gonna have any chance, yeah. Beekman's got to be like, uh, Kihei is probably gonna have to guard their two guard, Aaron Cook. Because yeah. I mean, Suggs at six four and over two hundred pounds can just body yeah, key up every time. He can't. This is it's not, this yeah. is going to need to be the Reese Beekman and Trey Bur Trey Murphy game. Um, yes. For you know, Virginia's going to have to use that length. If if you know, I don't know who they're going to stick on Kispert, but um, 
and then, I, and and I then don't inside, know if Sam's, this is, yeah. this is, this is the, like, is this the Francisco Cafaro game? Like, have they been saving <laughs> Cafaro and just having him like prep Timmy tape the entire, like, <laughs> They didn't know they were gonna play Gonzaga. So, yeah, I know, you know, right? If you didn't know, we didn't know. Maybe yeah. Tony knew, and this yeah, was all. No, I don't know. But like, vibe. it's one of those. Like, I I look, I was like, yeah, Jay. Okay, Jay's finally got the size, but like, Shedrick doesn't. Shedrick's giving up like forty pounds to Timmy on the inside. Uh, is that his, how you pronounce his name? Yes. I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it is Timmy. Th- so the I other thing, so. they are so, like, this is what. East Coast this, bias. Is. <laughs> this Gonzaga team is so good. Like, people are going to be like, oh, you know, Gonzaga always just gets their seeds because they play this easy, not like what? I don't want to hear it. Like, I no. literally just don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> I, like I can't three deal. Three NBA players Do on people this say I, like, that I can't still? deal. Yes. It is still a thing <laughs> that people are like, complaining you. about. Like, I don't understand how you can look at any <laughs> Gonzaga team in the last let's say five years and not think that they were deserving of the seed that they got. Yeah. And it's really annoying to see it come from Virginia fans. Sometimes we are like, Oh, but they haven't won a title. You want to go that route. You want to bring that <laughs> narrative back because like how many times does that happen? But you look at Timmy down low, you look at Oh my gosh, he's unbelievable. Uh, Kispert Suggs. I says like, I think he's been the most impressive freshman in the country. Yeah. Um, His passing and- is just unreal. And this is not to say like there is Virginia does not there's not like a, oh Virginia has no chance in this game like that's not even oh, remotely what I like close I think that Virginia right now is not playing to the what we expect and what Virginia can get to this season and it, I'm still I'm not concerned or whatever like there's still plenty of time like they've played five games like that's the thing that's like mind blowing to me because it is like Christmas and you're like oh it's ACC it's ACC right. time. like NC State is playing UNC tonight you know what I mean yeah. like it's just like this year's so weird I just can't well we but, were talking about last time like like you were saying the the tweaking of rosters yeah happens every year it just usually happens you know four or five games <laughs> against the norfolk states uh, right or, or whatever else sometimes it yeah. includes good teams and and sometimes yeah. those games are close and then we all get oh and yeah. then it's like okay <laughs> yeah. well, let them settle in and and then we can wonder if tony bennett system will work uh, <laughs> <laughs> will work in march and gonzaga runs a short roster that's the other thing that's the thing i'll say is like where virginia could also benefit is i think that they have more options they yeah, will be able to play yeah, more players like yeah. that sort of thing against iowa the obviously like we said that three-point shooting really negates anything that iowa could have tried to do because they i thought they had a good plan against garza They're, again the defense isn't super strong but garza still scored 30 points and yeah. iowa just wasn't hitting their threes the right. threes were there so like again gotta garza make got shots. his right. yeah he got his and they're kind of they seemed like they're gonna just try and make it like really hard for him but like if he beats us and that's how it, that's how it goes type thing both timmy and kispert fouled out in that game gotcha so yeah. that's a thing to look at too like sure what happens if you get those types if there are those you know are they going to get into foul trouble again virginia does have more depth especially in the front court yeah. Well, both, I think overall they're playing, they could play 10 guys and I would be pretty comfortable right. with like who they like Justin McCoy might be a guy that you see against Kispert a lot. Like, I don't know what sure. they're going to do. Maybe he plays against Suggs at times. I don't even know. Like I sat right. here for the last, since they announced the game, I've sat here and been like, Ooh, who's going to play against whom? Like right. I'm trying to do this like shell game. And I'm so excited <laughs> that they're playing this game. Like just yeah. stoked. Yeah. And I just think it's good for basketball. It's good for Virginia, regardless of the outcome. <laughs> it's good for basketball. It's good for Virginia. Good for basketball. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I think there fun. are a lot of t- people tweeting uh, who would disagree with you, but um, I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, exactly. Thankful that they're they're able to get another blue blood 
game uh, because they they lost the ones against uh, Villanova and Michigan State. And I think it'll be fun because I think Gonzaga is a fun team to watch and UVA has that capability to play up to Gonzaga's level. And if they do, then it will be a really fun game. Obviously, they could play down to, uh, you know, San Francisco's level and mm. UVA is going to get blown out, um, which would not be fun. But would be way uh, less fun. Hopefully not the case. And I think another good thing we saw today was a lineup that really seems to to be able to catch fire uh, offensively. Um, and I like it. If you if you ask me, you know, after seeing it today, but even seeing it on paper beforehand, the Hauser Huff Waldo Murphy Clark lineup looks really good to me. I think it 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 shows the balance that is needed defensively to make up for um, some of the limitations in some of the defense of, of some of those guys. And obviously a lineup that can score in buckets. The only negative I have about today's game, uh, like you said, you could point to, to giving up those, those rebounds and whatnot, but the, my main negative, and I think a lot of it probably comes from playing in a blowout, but it's things that we see them do um so far in the games that they've struggled this year as well is shot selection is that there are a lot of these guys are good shooters and so they're okay getting a fumbled pass you know taking an extra step that they weren't planning on and shooting out a rhythm and i saw many people do it today and yeah sometimes those shots go in because you're good but a lot of times they don't so like that, that that like wide open corner shot but you don't catch it clean cleanly so you take you sort of take a shuffle and then shoot it and you're like well you know screw it i'm i I got this and then they miss those you know what i mean and like we're so ingrained by the the bennett approach to offense that it's like no you didn't catch it cleanly so you must pass and wait until it's the perfect (laughs) opportunity to efficiently shoot there's obviously some truth to that (laughs) and so you know they're, they're gonna have to um to make those shots uh you know yeah to gotta make shots teams. yeah yeah I know, right and they shot 50 percent, but you know how many of those shots that they were shooting 50 percent on how many were wide open dunks <laughs> yeah i i did the, i already forgot they were 70 percent <laughs> from two right exactly so, so. And, and that's and that's the thing so and that's the other one of the things in doing some of the research for this gonzaga game is gonzaga is shooting like you know 70 80 percent from two virginia is allowing 40 percent so mm-hmm. what you know it, it, it it's all the same stuff we just it all comes give. down to like something yeah exactly something's gotta give what's it gonna be i think gonzaga runs the offense like the way that they play the game is like when i mean the title game between you and seeing gonzaga in what 2017 is that right um sure that was where like when you think of like yes, the best the best unc offense a couple years ago two three years ago three four years ago um that's similar to what they do now like that's the stuff like because you can say like oh fast fast now they don't have karnelski they don't have they don't have the mountain inside that's true they have timmy and kispert who are yeah so it's like the when the fast-paced crowd took a big hit i think when that with that kentucky unc (laughs) game on saturday like that's the equivalent like that game was messy like that's just that's the that's the proof that just fast yeah like throwing the ball up a bunch of shots like that doesn't make for good basketball like that doesn't mean you know i mean like that's my Mm -hmm. counter argument um because 
Kentucky at this point in the season, they're in like literally in must win mode now. Like, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've been one of the more brutal uh, results. Overall. You hate to see it. Oh, yeah. you just hate to see it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like conference play is going to be super interesting for the ACC. It always is, obviously, a dumb Duh. thing to say. But, Duh. I, you know, I, I, like Boston College, are they good? You know, things right? like that. They've are, actually are looked good about. at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, there, there were some there were some surprising results um, in the Big Ten ECC challenge that I sort of stopped paying attention to. But once UVA's game got got postponed, um, but you know I think NC State UNC tonight will be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if Kevin Keith's team can show up, but I think they're dealing with some missing players. There are a couple yeah, of them there's also, that might be missing tonight, so it might get ugly. Yeah, they also get always those vibes where it's like, this is the year, like UNC's not that good, this is the year that we finally do, and they still, like, yeah. Last year was the year UNC yeah. was <laughs> And so it's like, okay, I wasn't expecting Louisville to lose by, like, 40 to Wisconsin. Right. Um, obviously, they play Illinois. Again tonight. Yeah, Illinois is a good team, um, but that Duke game, I don't think is indicative right. to that. The Duke team has some questions to answer and um, yeah, Florida but, state has looked yeah. good, but then they lose to UCF. That was like the longest, I didn't realize they had the longest home game win streak, I think 27 games. Oh. Um, so anyway, it, it's, it'll be very, all of this is going to be interesting. So yeah, very Michigan true. state just lost to Northwestern. Like it's just going to be a complete right. rodeo this year. Like just absolute craziness. And they, yeah, another just, I mean, Michigan State was ripe for some revenge for the, obviously the Hoos have played terrible in some games too. So who, who knows what would happen there? But um, I think Virginia's discipline on the defensive end may have uh, caused Izzo's team some, some strife for once. But uh, anyhow, uh, we'll be back uh, post holiday. I uh, hope this is a, a helpful podcast for, for your safe travels. Everyone listening, if you're traveling for holidays, be safe and, and responsible, but also safe on the roads. And uh, we'll be back to talk about more basketball uh, as it gets going. And hopefully a big win over the number one team in all the land on uh, Chris, the day after Christmas. So uh, until next week, happy holidays and, and uh, Merry Christmas and New Year's. If, if we don't get back from then, I apologize in advance, but you know, I'm on break too. So for everybody at the blog, uh, until then, go who's. Who's.